1: I'm currently going toe to toe with death battling cancer and it has had its challenges but also its rewards in many ways cancer has rescued me from myself and it it means that it focuses you very much on the things that are truly important and so things like ego and money just become absurd and irrelevant
0: the story G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, as we heard last time, Dr. Nick Hawkes has lived a rich and full life. He was born in Adelaide and went on to receive degrees in both science and theology. He's written books defending the Christian faith and has also written several novels. His radio spots are heard on stations throughout Australia and currently, I'm sad to say, he's in the fight of his life battling cancer. Last time, he shared his story about sailing in England and then going to Hong Kong to do ministry work with Jackie Pullinger, who's the author of the classic Christian book, Chasing the Dragon. So he's lived quite an eventful life. And now we're going to hear more of his story as he continues his chat with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Nick Hawks.
1: It's great to be with you again, Eric.
0: And I should say that you're
2: joining us once again from your home in Adelaide. And, well, you had quite the adventures that we heard about last time. We ended with you being in Hong Kong, and that was quite an experience, in the slums in Hong Kong. And that's kind of where you grew in your faith and really matured. Is that right?
1: That's right. That's, that's where I encountered the empowering presence of God's Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, i have never really understood God hmm. very much. I'd only been a Christian for one year. Oh, wow. And and, and of course, you know, God is absolutely wonderful, and Christians understand that God lives in community within Himself mm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I never really understood the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, uh, uh, that the Holy Spirit was God's provision to all Christians, to empower their ministry and teach and enable them, and that's what I discovered working with Jackie way back in 1972, Mm -hmm. and so that's where God took me and my twin brother uh, to teach us that, and then we went back to England, and I, and it was just as well that I had God's empowerment at that stage because (laughs) I went to Portsmouth Polytechnic uh, to study biology, Mm -hmm. majoring in marine biology, uh, thinking that I was going to be a research scientist for all my life. but very quickly actually became the president of the Christian Union at a time when the charismatic renewal was rolling around mm. England and the Christian Union exploded and we had all these new Christians and we hadn't a clue what we were doing <laughs> and we had to rely on God's Holy Spirit a good deal to get through. But mm. it was an extraordinarily exciting time. And, uh, and of course, it, it was there at Portsmouth where a young woman came to faith in the first term I was there and I ended up marrying her. I ended up marrying Mary, uh, who was on my course. And uh, that was a lovely story.
2: Okay, well, I just want to back up a little bit. And there's kind of a contrast. I mean, you were involved in the charismatic movement and emotions and feelings about your faith. But yet, on the other hand, you're very much into the hard sciences of biology. So it's kind, right. of a, kind of a contrast between feelings and emotion and facts and data and figures. Uh, can you kind of reconcile those two?
1: Yes, that's that's a very good question, Eric, and I'm often asked it. Mm -hmm. And I must confess to being slightly bewildered by it. Is uh, that right? Because my life, you know, living in odd corners of the world as as I did, really, one of the fruits of that, apart from being totally disconnected (laughs) (laughs) with any one place, was uh, an intense curiosity with life. Mm -hmm. And, of course, both science and theology are both quests for truth. Mm -hmm. And and both, of course, have their origin in God. And so scientific truth and theological truth, because they both originate in God, they cannot war against each other. Mm -hmm. They just answer different questions. So science answers the question, how? Mm -hmm. And theology answers the question, why. Mm. And so the two dance together beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's not a case that to be a Christian you've got to kiss your brains goodbye and mm. believe six impossible things before breakfast. <laughs> no, no. You know, as an apologist, I can say that you know being a Christian is entirely rational. It is mm-hmm. scientifically reasonable. It is historically reasonable. It is morally reasonable. And it's experientially reasonable. So uh, I've never found any discontinuity between my life as a scientist and my life as a theologian. Mm -hmm. And many Christian uh, scientists, actually many more scientists than people realize are Christians. Francis Collins, uh, Mm -hmm. who headed up the Genome Project, whereby the, you know, which mapped the genetic code Mm -hmm. of human beings, a fabulous international project. He himself says that when he does science, he feels that to be an act of worship. Mm. Uh, And and he is a lovely, committed Christian. Mm.
2: So the Lord obviously has wired you in such a way that science and biology was something that really interests you.
1: It does. I I mean, I love uh, science. And one of the most intriguing things about science is, why on earth we can do it? I mean, why is it that we have uh, the intellect at exactly the right level to unlock the secrets of the universe. Mm. And, and why, why are there so many beautiful codes in the universe so that it leaves even atheistic scientists saying God was a mathematician of a very high order. Mm. Uh, and we see this extraordinary, outrageous, order of the universe. I mean, just to give you an example, Mm. the universe essentially is built by four special forces, the nuclear force, weak nuclear force, strong nuclear force, electromagnetic force, and the gravitational force. Well, if the ratio of those, two of those forces, the gravitational force and the electromagnetic force, had varied by as much as one ten thousandth, trillionth, trillionth Trillionth, we would not have life on planet Mm. Earth. And so, that demands an explanation. You just can't shrug your shoulders lazily and say, well, we're here because we're here. I mean, that is an intellectually lazy and Mm. inadequate response to the miracle of existence. And so, science has something to say about theology, and theology can frame science and say, well, this is why. And so, I love dancing between the two
2: disciplines, Mm. I guess I've heard the phrase uh, the fine-tuning of the universe, That's so it's exactly very right. fine-tuned. And why is it that way? Well, mm. it makes perfect sense if there's a creator and a designer who made it that way.
1: That's exa- exactly right, Eric. Uh, spot on. And uh, and these are great questions. I mean, when I talk with an atheist, uh, they mm. quite often say, oh, I'm a rationalist. No, mm. really. Uh, do tell me where the, where the, about the cosmos and where it came from. And the, the jaw drops a bit. And then I say... If you are telling me that the universe came from nothing as a result of nothing via a mechanism that has never been discovered and which undermines the laws of cause and effect which underpin all of science, you are not being rational. (laughs) I mean, when we see extraordinary, outrageous order, you know, such as a protein molecule, mm. uh, which, interestingly enough, are no longer called molecules. It's actually uh, more accurate to call them machines. Mm. Some of the proteins are an extraordinary complex. Some operate like electric motors. and extraordinary. Um, you know, the chance of building one of a protein by chance led to one of the atheistic uh, physicists, English atheistic physicist Fred Hoyle, saying... It's about as likely as a tornado going through a junkyard <laughs> building a seven four seven jet. Oh wow uh, and and someone worked out the likelihood of of it happening by chance. And I think they likened it to pulling the handle of a one-armed bandit, a gambling mm. machine, and you'd have to pull the handle more times than there were atoms in the universe. Oh, wow. <laughs> to have a chance of building even a moderate sized.
2: I guess if, I, if I'm following you, it's kind of like uh, God's fingerprints of design are all over creation, and specifically even in a little molecule. It's, oh, absolutely. It's there. Okay, well, we need to get back to your story. Now we kind of passed up the fact that you got married to your best friend, Mary.
1: I did indeed, and mm-hmm. produced two children, one born in England, uh, Michael, my son, and my daughter, Katie, Mm-hmm. My son is now a policeman uh, up in the mid-north of South Australia. Uh, Katie is an assistant pastor of a local church, mm-hmm. and it's really a, a church which I now attend because I've now retired from being a, a pastor, mm-hmm. although I continue to write books. And it's really rather odd being in a church, uh, watching your daughter as your pastor. Oh wow. it's, a, it's a very good feeling.
2: <laughs>
0: You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is once again author and retired pastor, Dr. Nick Hawkes. And as we've been hearing, he loves to defend the Christian faith and talk about apologetics. Next, we'll hear more of his life journey, including about the numerous books he's authored and also about his current battle with cancer. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again author and retired pastor, Dr. Nick Hawkes. He's sharing with us his life journey, including how he became a Christian with his twin brother in England. Then about his time doing ministry work in Hong Kong. Now we're going to hear the rest of Dr. Nick Hawke's story.
2: So then you eventually returned to Australia from the UK? Yes,
1: I did. I, I did research work in England. I worked for a multinational chemical company investigating ways of controlling pests and diseases of crops and that was great fun. I really yeah. enjoyed that. And then moved back to Australia working for the same company, originally beginning in pretty much the outback of Australia, in the, in the Australian Mallee on the banks of the River Murray. Mm-hmm. And then a drought came and uh, burnt up all my research work in the field. Oh, wow. Wow. And so I took over research in South Australia, being based in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. And whilst there in Adelaide, got very much involved in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was an exciting time.
2: And then a major change in your life, being called to be a minister.
1: Yes. Mary and I had been asked to start a youth group. <laughs> and we thought, wow. So we began with seven. It went down to three. And we thought, my golly, we're marvelously gifted at this. <laughs> Not. <laughs> and then it went to 110. Oh, wow. And we thought, oh, my goodness. And so. I I knew that I actually had to make a choice, you know. I had to spend my time either, you know, pastoring people and and leading people to faith or science. And so I I felt the call of God to go into ministry. And I trained with the Uniting Church Mm -hmm. and went to quite a liberal theological college in the Uniting Church which either kills your faith or strengthens it. Yeah. And uh, luckily for me, it, it turned me into an apologist, and I had to learn good reasons hmm. why I believed in conventional Christianity mm-hmm. as opposed to liberal revisionism that wanted to change everything. And uh, it was a fairly stormy time, and it remained a stormy time, you know, for, for the ten years that I was a pastor.
2: And then eventually you left? The Uniting Church. Yes,
1: that's right. I, I, I went into country parish uh, down at Keith Tindanara, and then in Adelaide, but felt that in the end that the culture of the Uniting Church was so constricting and, and, and stopping us from doing the things we wanted to do that we left. And this is not an easy thing to do because mm. Christians are, are all about unity, not disunity. Mm. And there's a lot of tears and and, and, and sadness in that. Left the Uniting Church and planted a, a, a non-denominational new church, which we called Rivergate. It's a wonderful community, Rivergate Christian Community. And we uh, squatted like uh, cuckoos in other people's nests. Uh, so we we had church in, in school halls, and which meant, of course, we were able to do extraordinary things with, with our finances. And so we very much got involved with missions, Work in India mm-hmm. and were able to, to give sacrificially to that uh, mm-hmm. in a way we couldn't have done if we had to pay for our own building and staff and goodness knows what. And so that was very, very exciting. And I retired from there in uh, 2018. And so since that time, I have been engaged in an interesting battle with cancer, uh, which has been both uh, a challenge and a blessing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and we- also writing books
2: yeah, that's what we want to talk about before we get to your current battle with cancer. you, while you were a pastor, at the same time, you felt led to get involved in writing books, but not just uh, theological books, nonfiction as well. Tell us about your writing.
1: Yes, i it began by writing resources for the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was asked by an organization in India to write a summary of the Bible and mm-hmm. helping people through the tricky bits. And so I did that and then wrote a few more for them as they asked for them and they got translated into Hindi and going around India now in huge numbers. But I also wrote about the scientific credibility of Christianity because so many people were feeling challenged by this radical strident New Atheism, which was saying that Christianity was not in any way academically defensible. And, mm. and of course, it's absolute rubbish. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and so I wrote a number of books in that area. But also, I, I, probably like you, Eric, I just love stories. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was saddened by the fact that I couldn't really find really good quality Christian novels that had mystery, adventure. Hmm. That were clever. That were yeah. uh, w- w- that, that included within it uh, uh, interesting reflections on on the possibility of faith. But but they didn't preach at you. They, you know, you could give them to your non-Christian friends and, and know that that they weren't being got at. And so I decided to write novels, write the stories that I would like to read myself. And and so that one gave way to two, three, and so the stone. Collection became written. All all my novels have the word "stone"
2: in. The yeah, word. why is that? Uh,
1: really, just to tie them together. Mm. I mean, every novel has different characters and different places and different adventures. But I just needed something to tie them together into a into a family, into a collection, so mm. that people would say, "Well, have you read the other one in that collection?" And uh, so, you, what you do is you use the the sales of a, of, of an earlier novel to, mm. to help point to the next one. And so the Celtic stone gave way to the Viking stone, which gave way to the Pharaoh stone, which gave way to the fire stone, which goes on (laughs) to the peacock stone. Uh, And The Dragonstone, With The Dragonstone was the one I've just finished, and that Mm. uh, is based, guess what, in Hong Kong in 1972, (laughs) where I was working with Jackie Pullinger in the walled city at that time. So all that experience comes pouring out in the next, or my last novel. Mm.
2: Wow, so the Lord led you to quite a variety of uh, books that you have written, both uh, in nonfiction and Christian apologetics, Defending the Faith, and a summary of the Bible, but then also, as you just mentioned, some Good storytelling and novels and fiction.
1: Yes, I I I like to think that uh, that I'm following Jesus' example. I mean, I mean, Jesus spent an awful lot of time telling stories, didn't he? Parables, love it. And it it just puts it puts faith in the context of everyday experience, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I love that. And and in, in a novel, you you are able to take a hero who's deeply flawed and broken in some way, whether it's by Grief, despair, or shame, and then journey with that person as, as, they, as they discover hope, and,
2: mm, and, and yeah,
1: and do that in the context of a context of a, of a wonderful adventure and mystery. Mm.
2: Oh, you—you you have me curious. I'm going to have to look up your books now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tell me what you think.
2: <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Uh, that's uh, something I'll have to explore. But sadly, we need to end our conversation talking about your current battle. Uh, I chatted with you yesterday. We were talking about maybe recording yesterday. But if we did, you would have been chatting and doing this interview while getting chemo treatment. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yes, I'm I'm currently going toe-to-toe with death, hmm. uh, in t- battling uh, cancer, uh, stage 4 cancer. And that has been a, a three-year battle, mm. and it has had its challenges. Uh, it's, it can be pretty grim, but also its rewards. In many ways, cancer has rescued me from myself. And, and Oh wow, what do you mean by that? Well, it, it, it means that it focuses you very much on the things that are truly important. Mm. So things like ego and money just become absurd oh, yeah. and irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, you find that you are more passionate about the purposes of God. It, 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 I find that I cry more readily and mm-hmm. I laugh more readily. I find that, that I am passionate about the things of God and, I, and that I realize that, that my time on planet Earth is limited and mm-hmm. so I don't want to, to regret a single thing mm-hmm. that, that I've left undone that I want to write as and, and record as much as I can for radio. That I want to write as much as I can and have the privilege of speaking to other people's lives and whispering the dangerous possibility of God to them as well as I possibly can, while I can, and very much want to. Looking forward to, you know, to to, to finishing well as well as I can and hearing God say. Well done, Nick. Good and faithful mm. servant. Uh, and so the passion for, for making God's glory known in my time burns incredibly uncomfortably within me, mm. and uh, I'm just seeking to make the most of it in now, what I'm doing.
2: Now you were diagnosed with stage four cancer in 2016, and it's been kind of a roller coaster ride since then. Can you share with that's us right. some of the ups and downs? Ups
1: and downs. That's right. I was put on a fairly broad spectrum. A chemo and radiation which was not expected to have any effect on the cancer other than slow it down give me more time on the planet but remarkably it killed it all off wow. and so my 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 non-christian doctor was forced to use the term miracle which made wow. me laugh absolutely <laughs> wonderful yeah. and for 16 months i was cancer free but as often happens with uh cancer it came roaring back hmm. And it came roaring back all the way through the liver and the spine and, and, and lungs and, and other places. And I was on palliative care and just weeks away from dying.
2: Yeah, I mean, palliative when, care is usually when they've given up hope.
1: Yes. And that's they're just right. making you
2: comfortable before it, it all comes to an that's end. Right.
1: That, and that's right. And that was the language, Nick. Yeah. Just keep you comfortable now until yeah. you die. But at the last moment, I was invited to participate in a trial with a new experimental immunosuppressant chemo drug mm-hmm. and and I've been on this trial and of all the people on the trial I've had the best response. Is that and right? And so this cancer <laughs> again for the second time has either disappeared or almost disappeared. Now oh. the sad part is that that all the radiation and the chemo treatment has left my body very weak and mm. and all my joints inflamed. So it's quite uncomfortable, but um, I can live with that. Yeah. Uh, and so it may yet be that I have more time on this planet to show God's truth and grace. And so I'm making the most of it.
2: Well, yeah, it sounds like you're still writing and you're obviously still able to chat with us here today and you still do your radio spots as well.
1: I find the privilege of that, Eric, absolutely extraordinary. I mean, fancy being given the privilege to, mm. to, to, to speak a whole bunch of people on radio about the love and the truth of God and, and do that in, mm. in just a pitty few minutes. And um, I, I found that absolutely wonderful. I'll tell you how I learned to do that, by the way. How was that? In the days when, when, I, when I was running a youth group, we ran a drop-in center where the local hoods in town turned up uh, down at Keith. And they allowed me to preach for 60 seconds while standing on a chair and so <laughs> I got really good at sharing something. I'd pick a line from a rock song speaking about something that was relevant to their lives, and then I'd bring in the gospel, issue a challenge, and that, that was done in, in 60 seconds. Wow. It was perfect training for radio. Wow! And uh, so they are, mm, it was fun.
2: Well, before we let you go today, any final concluding comments that you'd like to leave our listeners with?
1: Uh, yes, certainly. Life is an extraordinary gift an amazing miracle. You are much more sacred than you can possibly believe. God has a purpose for you. The greatest adventure of life is uncovering that purpose, discovering the love of God and living the adventure that He invites you into, an adventure that continues beyond this life for you You are designed to live forever. Don't miss out on it. I think that's probably what I'd say.
2: And I think that was about 60 seconds. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank you you so much. It's been lovely speaking with
2: you. Thank you so much, Dr. Nick Hawks, for sharing the wonderful ways that God has worked in your life and the novels and all the things you're doing, the radio spots, all that and more. You can learn about it at his website, nickhawks.net. That's nickhawks.net. Thank you once again, Dr. Nick Hawks, for joining us today. Absolute privilege. God bless you.
0: That was Eric Scatterbo chatting with author and retired pastor, Dr. Nick Hawks. And sadly, as we heard, Dr. Nick is currently battling cancer. But it was remarkable to hear how facing death has changed his life and brought him closer to God. He also shared that it also helped him to not focus on unimportant things like ego and money, but rather to focus on things that are everlasting. As the Bible says, "'Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth "'where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal.'" But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Finally, we ask that you lift up Dr. Nick in prayer as he continues his battle with cancer. If you'd like to contact him and give him an encouraging note, you can reach him through his website, nickhawks.net. Once again, I want to remind you that Hawkes is spelt with an E, so that's H-A-W-K-E-S. That's uh, NickHawkes with an E.net. Well, thanks for joining us for the conclusion of Dr. Nick Hawkes' story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
1: The other week, he came up to me and he goes, Dad, Dad, there was a crazy man at church. <laughs> and instantly, I started thinking, What's a crazy man doing in the kids' section of church? Yeah. And so I started to get a little worried. And and he goes, And he was wearing a superhero costume. <laughs>
0: And we had to tell him that his superhero cape couldn't save him and his superhero shoes couldn't save him and his superhero mask couldn't save him. Only Jesus could save him. Uh. Lee from South Australia has come a long way from growing up in a broken home and never really knowing his biological father but after meeting his heavenly father his life has completely turned around. Lee will share his remarkable story next time. The story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to
2: life.